Welcome to the Thriving New Teachers Podcast. first episode of the Thriving New Teachers podcast. My name's Justin Griggs and I'll be hosting this podcast. Uh, look, the idea of the of starting this is to basically demystify the profession to starting off uh, teachers, so those who are finishing uh, their university studies or starting uh, their professional uh, tenures at schools. And look, I'm going to be interviewing uh, a different person each week uh, to try and uh, hopefully answer some of the questions that maybe you're a little bit too afraid to ask. Today's interview is specifically with Adrian. Uh, I'm not going to share his full details um, just so he can remain private um, or confidential, uh, but basically Adrian is a first-year teacher and he is uh, currently a really um, prominent basketball player as well. So he's got a lot of things on his plate. And look, I just dig through a little bit of his story and uh, some advice that he might have for teachers who are either um, finishing off university or starting out in the profession. Hopefully uh, you find it meaningful and if you're interested in connecting with me, please at Griggsy Justin on Twitter. Um, if you'd be interested in uh, being interviewed, certainly love to hear from you as well. Hope you enjoy. All right, so great to have you here, Adrian. Glad to be here. Awesome. So, um, mate, just a couple of questions about your first year teaching at um, in, in high school. So, why did you, first of all, why did you want to become a teacher? Yeah, uh, for me, it was probably just based upon my own experience at school. Um, I love my schooling experience. Um, I love the, the variation that the job offers, um, and for me, um, who actually went into one year of doing health science physio, um, worked out that that wasn't probably the career path for me. So, yeah, changed and, yeah, haven't looked back. Yeah. So, um, like, has it been what you've imagined? Yeah, it's been everything that I've imagined. Um, yeah. My last placement um, was probably a really good indication of what it was going to be like um, in terms of teaching. The only thing probably what it hasn't been imagined would probably be the, ad- the admin side. Um, Working in terms of emails and uh, school calendar is probably a little bit more challenging than I thought, but um, took a little bit to get used to, but um, nothing you can't overcome. So walk us through that. Like, what, what does a day look like for a graduate teacher in terms of emails, calendar, admin yeah. responsibilities? Yeah, great question. So, um, you know, coming in the morning and um, first thing you probably wait for is the daily org, which will let you know whether you have any um, extras in terms of uh, classes or yard duties. Um, and then based upon that I then check the school calendar to see if any of the periods that I have are going to be influenced by anything that the college may may be putting in force for that day Um, and then from there throughout the whole day it's pretty much um, you know emails coming um, to and fro from different teachers um, and from various people in you know the community Um, and that can anywhere vary from you know five to ten emails to 15 to 20 pretty much yeah, and how much time in a day would you say you spend on email or administrative tasks? Yeah, we'll definitely look towards, I reckon, definitely 30 to an hour. 30 minutes to an hour can definitely probably suggest that's probably how much time. And then um, probably 
Um, you know, there's some that you put on the back burners as well because you can't do it that exact time that the email comes through. So there's still that um, that mental side of it that you're thinking about them as well. And and how how do you feel about administrative tasks? Like, do they obviously a necessary part of our job, but like, do they excite you? Is it just something that you sort of like grit your teeth and? Yeah, definitely not exciting. <laughs> um, but it's definitely part of the job and and. Um, more times than not, the emails that are coming through are, are highly relevant. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to be honest, there are those ones that do come through where um, probably aren't as relevant to you and to your situation. But um, I guess that comes with part of the job. And, um, you know, people that are sending it, not having to spend time, you know, choosing who it's going to and just sending it to all, all staff. Yeah. And have you got a process for vetting emails yeah I actually do like so if, if <laughs> so yeah if Griggs comes up probably nah I'll probably just go straight to my normal one um, but yeah I actually do um, I've set up my my inbox I should say to to whoever it's from to go into different different folders um, so whether it's my house coordinator that goes into my house um, head of PE goes into obviously PE sport as well um, and because I'm PE and um, maths as well so anything that comes through from a couple of the maths teachers slots straight into that um that maths that maths folder um but then i've also got a couple um because obviously we get some emails in advance that don't have to be actioned for a couple days so i slot those straight into um just an important folder which i keep unread just so i know that they're there um for me it's a little bit of an ocd thing so if i see a number there then i know i have to always check it i can't like leave them unread or anything else like that so um if something does have to be actioned a couple days in advance but it's important i'll I'll chuck it in that folder yeah so you're definitely not one of those people who's got yeah, no, nah, that's not me. You can't do that. Yeah, unread emails. So, sounds like I could actually learn a couple of things from you on um, on managing an email. I doubt um, it. I doubt it. No, that, that that's a very impressive uh, setup for a first year teacher, mate. Um, in all seriousness. So, um, look, just change tact a little bit and talk about um, a little bit about getting your first teaching position. So, um, Adrian actually got a position at the school. I won't mention out uh, the school's name, but at the same school that he did his final teaching placement on. So do you want to maybe talk a little bit about the process of getting that first position? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so placement finished up around a month before um, I had finished my, my degree. Um, and that time's very, you know, you're very anxious. Um, anxiety levels are pretty high. Um, and as soon as one person kind of gets a job in your uni degree, it's kind of panic kind of sets in a little bit. Um, and you kind of start questioning your ability to, to gain a job and um, you know jobs that are out there and what is available. Um, with with my maths um, major or minor that I can do with my PE for myself, it was probably, a li- I thought, a little bit easier to look for jobs um, than others just based upon um, opportunities that were available. Um, obviously, I really wanted a health and PE side or aspect with, with the job, but... I knew that if I could at least get my, my foot in the door somewhere that, you know, that, that could lead down the track. Um, selection criteria is highly oh, difficult, difficult, I'd probably say, or suggest. Um, just coming from, a, again, a maths and a, and a sporty background, um, the level of writing that, you know, really entails and stuff, um, a little bit difficult. But um, once you get that down, it's kind of just, um, you know, checking every day, pretty much every hour close, if any new jobs have gone up. Um, you know, went for a couple interviews, which were only just, only just maths. Um, as I said, it was 
there wasn't too many health and health and PE jobs out there. And I knew that was probably going to be the case. Um, and then, yeah, so then placement school gave us a call and just asked me to come in. Um, and they had kind of thrown to me um, that they wanted me, but they just didn't really know yet. Um, but obviously, without a level of guarantee, I couldn't just sit and sit and wait. Um, so I was actually offered a, a second-rate interview somewhere else, and um, and then fortunate enough, uh, you know, pretty much a day after that, the my placement school gave me a call and um, gave me the opportunity to you know start even a little bit earlier, you know, November, um, get to know the boys that I'd have, and then yeah, give us give us the whole of this 2019 year. So it's obviously, um, as you mentioned, a pretty nerve-wracking time for um, teachers because you know they want to want to get work the next year. Definitely. Um, and you spoke about like there's quite a few factors there. One of them was the selection criteria. So that's one that I get asked about a lot. Um, can you shed any light for people on sort of how you approached selection criteria as somebody doing it for the first time? Yeah. Um, so I mean, my university was really good. They put up a couple of samples. Um, and I was lucky to know a couple of people as well that had had done some. Um, so for me, it was just about um, you know having a look at, to see what they've done, and then pretty much picking what I thought was the best best practice from all of those, and in making that applicable to myself. Um, I think what schools are looking for, what they've suggested um, in interviews, talking about my selection criteria, is just making as many like real world ex- examples as possible. Um, and and saying how you know in what instances you've you've met you've made those selection criteria um, evident within your within your teaching. Yeah. So so with that, because the reason I, I bring it up is because a lot of people who are doing it as a graduate teacher don't actually have any experience other than their rounds. So you obviously, from the sound of it, um, used your rounds experience and also your experience from other aspects or other areas. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, a couple of the selection criteria asks for that kind of community engagement or um, out of out of school kind of experience. So, um, for me, it was I got a real big passion for basketball. So whether that was um, you know coaching primary schools or doing basketball clinics or community um, trophy runs, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you really, they really, I guess they're they're trying to look for a point of difference. Yeah. Um, so that they know that every 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 student's going to come through with the same amount of rounds. And that's that same type of experience, but I guess from their from their angle, they're looking at well, what makes you a little bit different from that. Um, and I guess the, the the difference level probably comes from what you do outside of your rounds and that extra kind of stuff. Um, so I mean, it was just as much as possible I could do to to sell myself in a different aspect in terms of my community level of engagement, my coaching, um, and knowing sport pretty much as well. All right, so that's. Um like that's a that's a really good answer because I think it's important to clarify what you should and shouldn't put on there because otherwise it ends up you know it's either really short or it's a fifteen page document yep. so you need to find a way to to answer it in a I guess a succinct and meaningful way. Um, so just for those who may not know, how do you actually access the or know what the key selection criteria are? Yeah, um, also a great question, and I found that a little bit um, difficult to to navigate as well. Um, so it, it, it depends, um, you know, there's two different um, really uh, ways to find out where jobs are. Um, obviously independent schools have their own um, and Catholic have their own as well. Um, with Catholic, it's pretty much based upon the, the specific school. 
um, or in my aspect where I was searching for Catholic schools, there's obviously different different types of those um, religious schools, but um, independent schools, they have kind of set criteria. Um, although they can kind of vary a little bit, um, they're pretty set in their nature. So that's that was probably the most comforting thing because you do spend a lot of time on your selection criteria and the last thing you want to do is have to constantly change that to um, for different applications. Um, so yeah, definitely just on the on the portal, pretty much, which um, for independent schools for the for the jobs that they'll ask um, for you to to address certain selection criteria, um, and those as I said are pretty much the same across the board, and they're very specific with what they ask. Um, and I would probably suggest a, a page and a little bit more to each. That's what I've been suggested. Um, I know schools don't want to read too much, but there has to be a level of um, complexity to that to show your understanding and to show your and to demonstrate what, that you can reach those. Yeah, so we're talking about roughly eight, I think eight, eight to nine. Yeah, roughly eight yeah, to nine. Yeah, depending on the position you're looking at. Yeah. So we're talking somewhere between eight to ten pages of key selection criteria. Yeah. So and accompanying that, um, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, it's been a while since I've been a graduate, as we were talking about beforehand. But uh, you also submit a uh, cover Come letter order. and a resume. So, how did you go about um, sort of going? Firstly, writing that, and I guess extending on that would be: um, Did you ask anyone to actually yep. proof it or check that it, it looked? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, as I said before, English isn't what the one of my strongest suits. Um, so I, I um, again, my cover letter was pretty much highly relevant to the role that they were looking for. Um, so if they were looking for a health PE and maths teacher, I would speak about those both aspects, health and PE and maths, and what I offer. Um, again, this is a pretty much a page, page and a half of you trying to um, provide your point of difference. Yeah, and this is the um, cover letter. This right? is the cover yeah. letter, yes. Um, so in terms of doing that, we did have a couple of um, templates at universities um, and some people that I knew, again, picking kind of best practice of what I thought was um, good aspects of people's that I read. Um, but then, yeah, my, my unit chair at university, uh, she had always said that she would, she would be happy to read anyone's cover letter. So I um, abused that, pretty much that claim. Um, I would send mine to her a lot um, to, to make it the best because I knew that that's pretty much the first thing that they read. Um, and you can, you know, to be honest, you, you could probably think that they would get quite a few applicants for a set amount of jobs. So, um, you know, you need to make yourself, again, that point of difference as soon as possible. Um, so you can get that interview and then continue to push for your selection. Yeah, so the message that I'm hearing uh, from you and also I think I got told this um, back in my early days of teaching was um, to really be specific in the jobs that you apply for, yeah. not just try and hit it with you know 40 or 50 schools with the same letter and just change the name, yeah. which is the error that I think I made very early on, trying to um, just you know get my name out to as many people and actually not really doing a good job of it to any of them. Yeah, it's much better to be targeted. Is, yeah. is what you're saying. So actually, yeah, to, to add on that, um, I definitely had a, a, a couple paragraphs that I would. Um, specifically change to tailor to each school that I was applying for um, and those changes would um, would get made based upon um, you know their their online their college website based around their, their values um, their mission statements um, their prince you know their principles address 
you know, that type of stuff. Um, obviously, schools are looking for specific things based upon um, that school's direction. Um, and you have to sell yourself in terms of being able to fit in um, holistically. Um, so being able to tailor your cover letter to things that they're already trying to push in their own community, um, I suggest um, to do that because it just provides, um, I guess, a, a level that you've actually done some homework on the school. As you said, you're not making the generic kind of cover letter. You're taking the time. Um, and I think schools, from what um, you know, the feedback that I've got really um, appreciate um, you know, people putting in the time to show that they've actually looked at to, to see what the school actually entails. It's much more than a job. Um, you need to be able to fit in with, with where that school's direction is going, the students that they're trying to teach, um, and that whole kind of message to the, of that. So yeah, so a real quality over quantity approach. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, mate, that's that's fantastic. Thanks for your advice on that. I'm just interested to shift a little bit now. Um, from recruitment um, mm-hmm. to, or from trying to get a position to now your current position, what does the average day look like for a graduate teacher? Yep. Like um, how, and how does that differ from, I guess, a, a second year, third year yep. teacher? Um, I guess I, I still come into, still come to school with a little bit of um, apprehension or a little bit of nerves every, not every day, but there is still some days. Yep. Um, and I guess that's just going to come with a lot more experience. You know, you your whole time throughout placement, you've kind of got this, um, you know, you've got someone watching over you who's there if, you know, if stuff, you know, whatever happens. Um, not to say that I'm nervous in terms of that, but it's just, um, it is different. Um, it's just about becoming comfortable with that. Um, you know, a day would, again, um, emails, um, I'm a really big um, lesson outliner, so I make sure that all my lessons are pretty much outlined um, based upon what I'm going to be doing for that pretty much that week. So on that, what's what's an a lesson outline yep. compared to say a lesson plan? plan? Yeah. So for me, a lesson plan is a lot more complex in terms of um, full detail and everything about what you're going to do, checking for understanding questions and all that kind of thing. Um, for me now, I'm um, I'm really happy where my checking for understanding and um, my differentiation is um, so I really don't have to I feel like I don't really have to write that stuff down um, for me it's just about planning out the activities and the modifications that I will do um, so I do have a plan and things run smoothly um, especially with um, the setting that we're in and um, obviously having year seven seven and upwards um, you know you don't want to give them too much time to get distracted um, so being able to come in with a with an organized approach to learning um, I feel like the students really benefit from that. So it's basically, you know, in your teaching rounds, you're expected to create lesson plans for every lesson. Yep. Um, so it's it's a step down from that in terms of workload because obviously that takes quite a yeah. lot of time to prepare lesson plans. Um, but you're still keeping, I guess, the, the framework for from that lesson plan, but not as specific in terms of every single yeah. step. Yeah, so pretty much it is, it's a step-by-step. Um, but the activities I don't have to detail because I know um, student, org- student organization I know as well and in terms of incorporating differentiation for my students and my learners yeah. um, that comes with their profiles and um, observation and stuff like that um, I feel like I can do that quickly on um, like as, as the lesson's going yeah so yeah, there's a couple of couple of interesting points that, are, that I want to sort of pick out from that um, how do you you spoke about learning um, like differentiation yep um, and and profiles. Just 
maybe walk us through that for, yeah, of course. just yep. for one sec. I don't want to go into too, too much yeah. detail. So differentiation, um, obviously, in the in the PE and health setting is, um, you know, kids can come in with, with varying um, skill levels in terms of sports and um, fundamental motor skills and stuff like that. So it's just about um, making the activities that I run um, relevant to them and to their skill level. Um, and that works both ways in terms of um, students that need some, some support and students that need some extension. Um, profiles in terms of learning profiles, um, very luckily at the school that we're at, that um, um, they provide us with a, a wide range of um, information about students in terms that do require support and some steps for that. So it's just about following um, the professional steps that, that we do get given to us into our, um, into our teaching so that you know, students are provided with the best learning opportunity for themselves. Yeah. So th- what you're saying is it's, it's really important before you start teaching to know the students in your class. Definitely, specifically, yeah. obviously e- each student individually um, and developing that understanding as a year goes on, but specifically the students with additional learning needs or, or um, learning um, supports required. Yeah, definitely 100% yeah. spot. And, and every school should have um, some uh, or plenty of documentation on that as they're um, obviously required to. So... Um, just back on the question about um, comparing the day to, I guess, a, a, your day compared to a third, second or third year teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I believe, get a slightly reduced time allow, uh, time. Uh, no, I'm on a 1.0. Okay. So I'm on a graduate um, 0.8 load. Yeah. Um, so 0.8 being? Um, I believe one less class. Okay. I'm not too sure, um, 100%, because I... Yeah, I didn't look into it too much, and um, I was just happy to 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 get anything. Um, so I wasn't going to be asking any any types of questions around that. Um, so I guess you could suggest a little bit of thrown in the deep end. Yeah. Um, so that that's that. I guess that speaks to like the contractual side of things, not definitely. knowing what you're looking at and not knowing what you're signing yeah. early on. Yeah, hundred percent. Nothing about that at uni, I'm guessing. No, nah, no, nah, definitely not. Not at all. So. Um, yeah, it was probably a couple months down the track, and I was yeah catching up with some some uni some uni friends, and they were asking yeah, asking about their or telling about their point eight load, and I was had to go back and actually have a look at mine. I was like, I don't actually think I um, have any type of time allowance, and yeah, which was um, more than fine for me because um, it provided me with the opportunity to opportunity to be at the school that I really wanted to. But um, it's definitely something to to really look into in terms of just making sure that you're you do know what you are stepping into. Um, although uh, there's heaps of support um, out there and I know um, can't speak highly enough of my school um, in terms of graduates um, mentors and um, coaches and stuff like that yep so um, just so you spoke about point eight yep um, that, and that's that's obviously what you're on point eight I think would be 80% of a full-time teaching load yep so that would mean um, like in our school there's our hour long periods the standard um, full-time teaching load is 40 a cycle so 20 hours a week 0.8 would be 16 you should have the equivalent of roughly 16 classes yeah. a week depending on what contract yeah, yeah. depending yeah. on depending on your contract and yep. um, obviously if you're less than full-time that would vary yeah um, and the idea there is as a support I guess to give you more time to plan for those classes yeah definitely um, Okay, so what what type of um, supports have you had this year to, to help you transition? Yeah, so I've been very fortunate. My mentor, my placement mentor um, last year is my, my, I guess, my graduate mentor this year. Um, we are next to each other um, via our desks. Um, so very lucky to have that kind of support close 
um, and to have that relationship already set up. Um, I also can't talk really highly enough of both the maths department and the health and PE department that I'm a, a part of really. Yeah. Um, anything that I really have in terms of questions gets answered and um, you know gets justified. Um, and I, for myself in terms of organization um, or anything else in terms of that, I'm always helped. Um, so my support, again, I, c- I couldn't really talk highly enough. Yeah. Um, pretty much leaning on those that um, you know, have done this. Um, my mentor teacher, again, I also have a, a, a graduate kind of coach that I've sat down with a couple of times and planned out my goals of, um, you know, the year and and kind of a little bit of future goals. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, tell me about that. What's yeah, so, I mean, it wasn't anything massive or anything really strenuous or long. Um, it was just pretty much just a plan um, and, um, you know, what I will really aim for over the next, you know, one to two years, two to five years, pretty much. Or um, it pretty much just provides some, I guess, some clarity because you spend so much time kind of in the school kind of setting in terms of planning or, um, you know, the students itself. Sometimes it's good to kind of take a step back and to just make sure you're on that right right direction, that right path, and maybe some different things of what you need to do in terms of, yeah, get to that. Yep, so the, the coach... That yep. you spoke about how, yep. how did that come about yes yeah, so I was again put in place by the college um, again it wasn't supposed to be anything bigger than my my, my learning mentor at all it was just someone that I can um, uh, talk to and plan out um, a couple of goals for the year and, and beyond um, just another a point of contact another voice really um, and that's from someone in, in leadership so someone that um, you know has that has that experience Okay, so that's within the school. Yes, within okay. the school. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Okay, um, and just just on that on um, mentorship and I guess yeah coaching, so to speak. Has any since you've graduated yep. and started um, teaching full time, has anyone ever observed you in the classroom again? Uh, I have had a couple. Yep. Um, at the school we're at, there's a lot of placement teachers coming in and out, um, and sometimes they have periods free. Um, I'm more than happy for for anyone to come in and really have a look at my classes. Um, also completing my VIT at the yeah. moment, so that obviously requires um, my mentor to come in and observe um, my practice yeah. um, and to provide some feedback in terms of that. So for me, um, I'm really big on um, self-reflection and um, so for me, I'm, I'm always going to take on board things that can um, you know improve my practice and because um, I know that it's just you know, you know things that I can implement to, to help help my students. Yeah. So um, you, you, you talked about um, the I guess pre-service teachers coming in and giving you feedback. Um, have you had any um, like I guess a, your mentor or either of the mentors that you got in place at the school come and? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I've had my mentor. Um, my mentor come in. Um, as I said, I've been currently completing my, my VIT, so they've come in and. Um, um, pretty much observe what they needed to in terms of relation to, to my VRT. And, um, but my mentor is always willing to, uh, to chuck in his, his, uh, his opinion and his voice, um, which, I, um, which I highly benefit from. Yeah. Um, Knowing but, your mentor, I'm not surprised by that Yeah, one exactly. Um, but no, um, again, I'm always willing um, to take on anything from more experienced teachers, definitely. Um, so... We'll talk about the full register or getting your registration mm-hmm. um, maybe in a sec. I'm just interested to sort of sweep back to that, the supports that you spoke about. Um, have you 
like because you've spoken quite a lot about the supports in school. Yep. Um, have you required or have you got any supports that you've sort of set up outside of school, or even if it's not necessarily people, but just things that you do as a way to, I guess, outside of school time. Yeah, great question. I think this is really important. Um, I'm, I guess, really big on work-life balance. Um, so, I mean, I play basketball, I'm semi, semi-professional basketball, so um, a lot of my time outside of, outside of school is um, given up t- to that. Um, so I spend maybe, you know, six plus hours a week playing basketball. Um, it just provides myself, I guess, with a good opportunity to to not think about the schooling kind of, um, I mean, the whole realm of schooling. Um, I've got a, I would like to think I have a really good support network at home. Um, my brother's a teacher as well, so he's a couple of years in, so he's always a good point of contact as well um, for anything regarding that type of thing. Um, family and, and partner is just as good. Um, I feel like I can come home and talk about anything that I need to in terms of my um, my experience at school and um, be supported in um, whatever that may be. Yeah, so do you, because I know people really um, differ in this uh, in terms of their opinion because some, some will say that uh, you shouldn't bring your work home with you Yep. and some will say, you know, you share everything in your life. So you obviously like to go home and share... Um, yeah, well, I mean, there's obviously things you talk and you don't talk about um, being being a being a teacher. But in terms of myself, I, I love being um, available um, outside of school hours for the boys, whether that's emails or parents or um, you know those types of conversations. Um, I'm never going to stop a child wanting to to do some some type of learning that will benefit him. So whether that's an email on a Saturday or a parent whatnot on a, on a Sunday, something like that, I'm more than willing to help. Um, Although I am at the start of my my adventure as a teacher, so um, you know um, who knows. But for me, that's I think that's a, a big thing. And I mean, with the ability to have a phone with you pretty much twenty four seven, and being you know coming from that generation with phones kind of being a massive integral part of I guess of my life, um, I find it really easy, and I find it not even um, you know a hindrance or or um, you know, taking something out of my day to do that, I find it's just as easy to maybe read an email, an email and shoot off a quick, a quick one back. Um, so that's pretty much my. Yeah, that's interesting that. because um, a lot of people will, um, will will really that will be a massive point of difference. Yeah, for sure. Um, so so yeah, I personally I find um, it really important to separate work from from home. Yep. Um, but then, yeah, there's certainly people who, who are, I guess, more capable of, of just incorporating and don't feel it, it's a stress. Um, so that's that's a really interesting, um, I guess, point of difference. In terms of, um, like, you're obviously you know, three quarters of the way into the year now. Yep. Um, what have been your major challenges for the year? Ooh, that's actually a great question. Um, I'll definitely say my my first big challenge was adapting again to that administration side of teaching. Um, as placement teachers, we only get the class and the, obviously the the, um, the teacher kind of takes care of everything else. So I guess the balance between that. Um, other than that, I haven't really had too much. I just feel it's, it's a real credit to, to the support that I've been given here. Um, my placement um, here last year, I wouldn't say I was thrown in the deep end, but um, or that a lot wasn't was asked of me, but um, you know I was given the opportunity to pretty much teach a full load mm-hmm. for pretty much nine weeks straight. 
Yeah. Um, so for me, and, and again, that finished four weeks before uni finished. So that's not really that small of a turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went, again, fortunate enough to start in November, I believe. So I didn't really have too much time to settle back into not really thinking about teaching, I guess, a full day. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's going to be different f- for everyone. But I mean, the challenges come every day. There's um, every lesson. Um, yeah. It's just about being adaptable and flexible. Um, I guess trusting your own practice. Um, but again, um, for me, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a really big preparation and, and organizer, I'd like to think. So um, always trying to stay ahead of the curve. Um, I try and stay four weeks ahead um, of, of my PE classes because um, we do sports four weeks, um, pretty much four week units. Um, so pretty much trying to stay ahead of the curve just so if anything does arise or anything that I'm um, planned, um, yeah. and, and then you're only yeah. three weeks behind. Yeah, then you get weeks. thrown off for a week. Like yeah, let's say you exactly. Got sick for a week or a camp, or, yeah, or stuff camp. like that. Yeah. So rather than if you're two days ahead, yeah. then something happens, then you're all of a sudden you're, yeah, you're swimming in uncertainty. Yeah. Um. So what about on the flip side, mate? Achievements, because from my perspective, you know, um, I'd say already sounding like you're a very accomplished teacher. Um, Definitely not. So, what have what have you seen as your big achievements? Um, I'm a I'm a real big person in relationships, so I kind of gauge my success, um, although on learning outcomes, but just um, the ability to to hold and create relationships with my students. Um, I just love walking through the schoolyard and having um, you know having the students come up and have a genuine chat to me about you know whatever um, that may be and being able to, to know my learners pretty much, know them um, you know, even a little bit beyond just the schooling environment. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's just pretty much, you know, I love what I do and I love what I, and that's because um, of you know, the people that I get to work with, um, whether that's the, and that's both the students and the other teachers at the, at the college. Yeah, so um, relationships to be one. Yeah, definitely for me, yeah. yeah. Um, and a very important part of teaching, so it's, uh, it's a good achievement to, to have. Um, just back on that, the first year uh, registration, yeah. um, and this is a real drainer for a lot of people. Um, and looking at your reaction as I say, as I say that, um, it's been nothing less for you. Yeah. Um, do you want to just? Uh, are, you, are you complete yet with the registration? No, not complete. Um, I'm I'm on the I'm on the outer, so I'm more than probably three. I'm about three quarters, four fifths through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just strenuous, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you kind of. You finish your university degree and you kind of think that you're kind of beyond that now in terms of having to submit assignments to show that you're more than capable of planning and implementing things for learners. Um, but I, I do get um, 100% why, why that does have to happen in your first one to two years. Um, but it is, it is um, strenuous and, and complex. And I know a lot of people say that, you know, um, they don't want it to be too long or they don't want it to be in too much detail. But it's, it, it's I guess it's hard because things can be very vague of what they ask and the last thing that you want to do is have to redo something because um, it wasn't into you know greater depth yeah. the greatest of depth or anything like that so um, it is hard to kind of navigate your way through it trying to not overdo things um, but I mean it just adds to another layer and I guess being having a, a 1.0 full-time load um, it would probably be a little bit more, I guess, convenient if I did have that 0.8 load yep. to kind of have those periods um, that aren't, you know, that aren't just freeze but yep. under under allotted to, to have to push towards that. Um, so it's kind of, um, 
shifted my organization a little bit. Um, just have to be, um, you know, work smarter, not harder, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So, what what sort of I guess things have you had to do to get this VIT? What what does it involve? Because yeah. it, it, for a lot of people, I think well, for me and the people that I graduated with, it was this big unknown. It was something you deal with next year, and and there weren't many people at the school even who knew about it. Yeah. So it definitely it's, and it kind of rolls over. I think three years and kind of changes slightly and whatnot. So yeah, I had no idea what it entailed actually until this year. Um, VRT provides good documentation of what they do ask. Um, doesn't make it any easier. It's still very complex. So um, their website. Is yeah, your first their website's probably yeah first point of call definitely. Um, but yeah, so you pretty much have to choose a choose a group of learners um, within your within your current practice. Um, one of those learners have to have some type of learning disability or learning aid um, or impairment or something like that. Um, you then have to provide pretty much some some evidence and some research based upon their levels and why they're at that levels and and whatnot. Um, and then you have to pretty much pick an inquiry question. So that's pretty much your point of assignment, um, your point of I guess discussion, your assignment. Sorry, about what. Um, or the direction your assignment goes can from there. Um, you then have to provide a unit plan, um, but then you have to plan um, based upon your inquiry question, whether that's differentiation, um, use of ICT in classrooms, um, those types of things, and how you're going to do that to your group of learners that you've chosen. Um, so that's pretty much, again, another kind of unit plan to based upon, uh, based upon what you're gonna be doing in a breakdown of those lessons. Um, the unit plan has to go, I'm pretty sure they want or they would like anywhere from four to six weeks. Um, and then you're pretty much, I haven't done this yet, so yeah, you're pretty much reviewing how that went. Um, if you know the benefits or your inquiry question were there and that type of whole process. So that's all in a written written, written document. Yes, it is, yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, and appendices then, and, then, and everything like that, yeah. And then, wow, so like a full academic. It's a full, pretty much a full, um, I'm pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure a lot of unis do this, it's pretty much like your last assignment um, where you have to provide um, pretty much very similar based on your placement of learners that you have to do. I know a lot of universities do this, um, which, you know, you have to use your learning from the classes um, and things like that. Yeah. So then you, you, what you haven't completed yet, is there some sort of presentation to yes. leadership? What is that? Yeah, so that's the last thing. So I have to submit it to VRT. Um, and then I'm pretty sure they give the all clear. And then um, I set up, yeah, I set up a, a an interview, I guess, or a meeting time maybe with the um, my mentor and a couple of um, maybe deputy principal and whatnot from from the school. And I pretty much have to present my my whole pretty much my whole piece. Yeah. Um, and that's expected to go for around I think 30 to 40 minutes. Wow. Which is yeah pretty lengthy with what I thought, but I mean it can obviously vary into. But um, yeah, so it's pretty much just a process of, I guess, you telling them what you did, your inquiry question and what you found, and I guess probably just another um, another way for you to demonstrate your competence um, in those areas. So it is. it actually has changed quite a lot since I went through, and that's not that long ago, or at least that's what I tell myself on a daily basis. <laughs> um, so... I think back when I did it, you just needed to submit it to, um, or you presented to your leadership and they ticked you off. You're saying now that you submit it directly to VIT, yep. your, your written yeah, no, academic no, I'm article, sure. yep. and then you also present it to your school. Definitely. Okay. Well, yeah, so the actual ticking off occurs at a VIT level, not at a school level. Or both. I think you need both. both. Okay. All right. Yep. Well, so that's hopefully that's demystified it a little bit for people who are maybe uh, wondering about what that will look like, because it's a... Um, 
yeah, it's it's definitely a stress for a lot of people in their first year, um, yep. given that the profession is already challenging enough to yep. add something in there. Um, obviously, is is, um, is 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 a big ask. Um, so just wrapping up, mate. What what advice would you give someone in their final year of a teaching degree? Yeah, um, it would have to be um, to to dive straight in um, and just teach as much as you can. Um, you need to you know have as much experience um, with full time load or as many classes as you can. Whether that's organising three or four to a day or things like that, and just trying to. Um, I guess really grasp with what it will be like to be in a, a schooling setting full time, um, and a lot of that's um, for me always going to meetings when I was on my placement, um, helping out with sporting stuff, you know, showing up um, to things that happen before school and staying for things that happen after school. Yeah. Um, schooling is much more than just um, what happens eight twenty to three twenty, um, and there's a lot of uh, development and a lot of um, learning to be ha- to be done outside of those areas, and I think um, making your pl- your last placement or any placement as I guess applicable or real life to what it will be like um, will hold you in good stead for I guess um, not biting off too much that you can chew pretty much in terms of your first year and um, just being able to hit the ground running yeah. um, and being able to feel supported but also feel comfortable in yourself to to be able to do what you need to do. Yeah, so that's that's really um, interesting that you mentioned that because I know, um, you know, there can be the temptation for people to just sort of, you know, when there's the meetings or when there's stuff that they don't need to do yep. to just sort of say, well, big pass on that. Yep. But you're saying um, it's really important to get a full picture of what you're going to be doing next year to engage yourself in the full, full array of what's happening yeah. at the school. 100%. And then again, you know, I had, um, you know, I had the people, you know, um, you know, teachers in, in in high places kind of seeing myself come to those things so therefore um, you know they start to get a good grasp that you know this this guy's very serious about what you know what he does do and it, again probably gives that little bit of point of difference for um, being able to fit into that school if there, that there is you know jobs available yeah. um, they know that you can fit into the school that you can be an active contributor to things outside of just the schooling um, but then again, um, I used things that I went to outside of school hours, heaps within um, interviews and selection criteria. Again, you're trying to sell yourself into a point of difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think commitment um, to your own professional development is, um, is massive. And I think that may even be one of the selection criteria, which is um, where you have to outline your own kind of continued development to your own profession. Yeah. Um, and I guess if you don't really have, if, if you're not going to these types of things, um, it's going to make selling yourself in terms of that aspect kind of hard for hard. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's really important advice, I think. Um, look, final question, mate. Um, sort of a two-parter. What, what do you, you obviously stay in contact with some of your, um, the people you went through uni with. Definitely. Yep. Um, using your experience and their experiences, what would you suggest schools could do to further support graduate or even just less experienced teachers? Yeah, um, one would definitely be the no, like the no-brainer, like as much professional development as possible. Um, you know, you, you, you do think, you, well, you know, you, you do finish your university and you think you are competent. Um, 
but there is far much there's far more learning that that you can do to, to you know to implement best practice um schools i guess it's just you know setting up that support network um there could probably never be enough people that are you know are, are mentoring or checking in on first years or second years or even third you know third years um i guess having those support networks i mean it just it means that you're not going at things you know fully by yourself or alone um again just being made available as well so um you know teachers in the office um being available for questions or for support or anything like that i guess helps a lot in terms of types of questions that you may have um i think orientation was a massive thing as well um coming in and learning about the school and we know what they what they um hold as expectations roles and responsibilities um you know once you have the boundaries of um, where they want you to work in and what's expected, I think that that um that makes it a little bit easier for yourself yeah. as well. All right, awesome, mate. Well, I'll let you go because we've spoken for a, for a really long time. I really appreciate your time. No worries um, at all. And I think there's a lot of valuable um, insights that you've given us into first year teaching. It's been good for me to relive um, the, the I guess what what it was like to be a graduate teacher. And I hope that uh, other people uh, gain something from um, your, your time and your experience. No worries at all. Thank you.